0: you're listening to ed curation the podcast where teachers talk curriculum we make it easier for educators to find the resources they need to create fresh lively and authentic learning Welcome to another edition of Ed Curation where teachers taught curriculum. I'm very excited to have Diane Sweeney here. Diane is a lifelong educator and author of one of my most favorite books on my bookshelf, Student-Centered Coaching. She's also an international educational consultant who works to improve teaching and learning not only in our country but in countries all across the globe and she's made time to talk to us today here at Ed Curation. Thank you for joining us, Diane. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You have a very unique role in education because you you get to kind of support teaching and learning from a more global perspective, not only in, in working in different countries across the globe, but also in really thinking about the best ways to support teachers, to support other teachers, right, to teach most effectively. And so tell our readers a little bit about how long you've been working in education and what specifically you do and the different roles that you've had that have led you here.
1: Yeah, that's great. Funny you think about it as global perspective. And I think you're right about that, but it started very locally in that I started teaching fourth and fifth grade in the Denver Public Schools here where both Tim Marie and I live. And 26 years ago I had to do the math on that. I couldn't believe it was that long. And I was a fourth and fifth grade teacher for bilingual students in a school that was doing pretty innovative work at the time around supporting teachers, but there was not there was not a really a body of work yet about how to support teachers well. We were just trying to sort of hack together some ways to learn together, build a school community, have a shared vision. And so after a few years of teaching at the same school, I became a literacy coach. And that pushed me to the edge of my learning, because I I don't even think there was really a method out in the universe of coaching at the time. It was a long time ago. And so I was then becoming this coach, didn't really know what that meant. I had a colleague who was the math coach that worked alongside me. And we just tried to figure out what does this even mean? And what can it look like for us and for the teachers who we worked with? So that was for a few years. And then I ended up working for a nonprofit in Denver known as the Public Education and Business Coalition. And I was, it's funny I say this now, but I became the director of their coaching initiatives, which shows you how new coaching was. Because here I had just been a coach for a few years, and then I was really trying to figure out how to help others develop coaching. (laughs) And it makes me laugh to think about. And then I did that for some time. And That gave me an opportunity to study coaching, to research it, to look at what was happening um, nationally in a coaching landscape, to think about how coaching could be measurable and how coaching could make a difference for kids. And all of those questions were swirling in my mind at the time. And I was just starting to put together a picture in my mind of what the opportunity was when it came to coaching. And then I started having kids and scaled back and wanted to just do a little consulting. And that's kind of what led to starting Diane Sweeney Consulting. Meant It was meant to just be a little bit of time, but now it's an international consulting firm. And we really specialize in student-centered coaching. And I have a team of several coaches that are facilitators and consultants on my team out doing similar work as I'm doing. So that's kind of what led me to where I am today. That's exciting. I, You know, I think I think in our
0: lifetime as educators, we have seen coaching start as this kind of like small kind of idea that was happening here and there, but not consistently across districts and across the nation. And, and now it has a much more important effect in schools everywhere. In fact, when I come across a school that doesn't have a coaching model, I'm thinking, why don't you have a coaching model? You need to talk to my friend, Diane. And, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a little you supported my daughter's school even a little bit if if I remember correctly. uh-huh yeah so now now that you have this international consulting firm, what do you find yourself doing day to day to
1: support the
0: student centered coaching and the clients with whom you work?
1: yeah, it's interesting that you talk about consistency because that's that's definitely something our full team really focuses on. We are always trying to help our districts that we work with, our partner districts, think about how can they make sure that coaching is impacting student learning first and foremost in their districts and also at the instructional practice side. And so my team of seven consultants, we, we really go out and try to be customized in the sense that we try to build on what exists because we could talk to three different districts in a single day and they would all have a slightly different Way that coaching is organized and resourced, but at the same time, we have the opportunity to help them make sure that it's getting the impact they desire. And so I think that then becomes where the model comes in. And so we work, we'll do a lot of on site, long term, multi year projects with districts because it's that intense to really do coaching well. It takes time and effort. And a big piece of our work lately has been working with school leaders and principals. I finished a book last year that was leading student-centered coaching, which was written to the audience of principals. So what's their role in partnering and utilizing a coach? So, And then we're also working on my new a new book that's kind of a revision, I'd say, of my original book on student-centered coaching. So that writing is happening too. So lots of travel, lots of work in schools, lots of writing, lots of collaboration with my team. What do
0: you find satisfying about this work?
1: I think the fun part is just working with coaches because they oftentimes get hired to be coaches and then they don't, school districts make this mistake over and over again where they say, we have a coach, you now have this job, good luck to you. And these are your really high achieving people who want to do the right thing, yet they oftentimes aren't even sure what the right thing is. And so they try to figure that out themselves, and that's a terrible place to be. It doesn't feel good, typically. And so what we like to do is, when we work with coaches, and this provides us so much satisfaction, is that they get support that's specific to their work instead of figure it out yourself, kind of, which is crazy that it's still like that. But it's that's pretty much the norm out in districts. And also, you know, I think there's a ton of satisfaction in the fact that our model is organized around impacting students. So our favorite things are when we get data back from our coaches that we work with that can connect the dots between their coaching work and student learning. And we have tools for that. We have a lot of ways that we gather data of the impact of coaching. Mm -hmm. And so when we get that data back and we're seeing kids are growing from this, it makes it all worth it for sure.
0: Tell me more about that because I left instructional coaching to go more on the curriculum side right around the time that I think your leadership and others in the field were starting to care more about and work on showing the impact of the coaching on student learning. So how do you do that at Diane Sweeney Consulting?
1: Yeah. So we have one big kind of, I guess I would say it's our our most important tool that we have created over the years that actually came from a school board asking for proof that their coaches were worth the money, honestly. It started there. So, prove to us that coaching is worth the investment we're making. And so, what we took that as a charge to go out and develop a tool to answer that question. So, we call it the results-based coaching tool. And what it does is it assesses the impact. So, for us, it's how we measure a coaching cycle. So, we assess the impact of what was student growth across a coaching cycle that could be you know, a month or a little longer than a month How did that growth come to be? What levels of growth did we see with the student learning? And this is all in relation to the standards that we're teaching towards. And then also the second level is then how did the teacher grow? We measure by coaching cycle. We collected this data across the state of Iowa and had hundreds of these tools turned into us where we were able to analyze growth. And we saw that most coaching cycles led to significant over 85% student mastery of the standards based on, you know, the partnership that the teacher and coach had over this short period of time. I like to think about it like if you're doing anything that's goal-based work, you need to be measuring your, your growth. If you were training for a marathon, you would be measuring how am I doing against, you know, my end game goal. And the same goes for us. So we take that measurement very seriously. And it's really done through pre and post assessments. And then also looking at the instructional change.
0: It's crazy how in so many other careers or, you know, endeavors in life, working with a coach is just considered part of it, certainly in all athletic fields and in professional coaching, right? For folks moving up careers, it's just, it's taken as something that is kind of standard and, and where everyone should start. But in education, sometimes, teachers think, well, why do I need a coach? Or, or, you know, they don't see the value of it that we do in other fields. So
1: yeah, it's we've ruined it on some level, because I think what we've done is in education, we've made coaching an evaluative negative process. And so what we have to do is we're trying to reframe coaching and saying that's not what it is at all. It's much more about partnership, It's about helping teachers meet their goals for kids, It's about measuring growth, about really rolling up our sleeves and doing the work together right. and that's just it's just going to take some time for teachers to see when teachers experience that they love it it's just there that's not the norm out in the world with coaching it's it tends to still be a pretty negative experience for a lot of teachers
0: but certainly not the ones working with you because you and your colleagues helped teach me how to be a good teacher back oh. in the for sure and <gasps> And I got to take all that learning and start to think about how to create curriculum that would bring the kind of learning at scale across to different classrooms and schools and districts across the country. And that's what we're trying to do here at EdCuration is make it easier for educators to find the, the curriculum that they need and adopt it more quickly and implement it more easily. And a huge part of that is not just buying the materials and disseminating them, right, but it is about implementing well with a professional development plan, a professional learning plan that's tied to the new implementation. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about how your work has supported curriculum adoptions in the past or what you've kind of learned as you've been working in systems to support the coaches as they've been adopting a new curriculum. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's fun because we get to jump between and among a lot of different curriculum because we'll go out and work in districts and what their curriculum decisions tend to be outside of the work with us. So that gives us a lot of opportunity to experience how does that look? When you're supporting teachers with curriculum, how do we do that in a way that is learning focused? And that's really what we try to Try to remind people: is that any new curriculum is going to require support for sure, but we can't necessarily think about support as just being a trainer coming in from you know the headquarters or the publishing company and and telling teachers, okay, this is how it's organized, and then goodbye and good luck. So what we like to do is think much more about how does professional learning work alongside coaching cycles, which is a you know what what I was just saying is our measurable work. And so the professional learning is always going to be related to the curriculum to some degree. The curriculum is the resource, right, that is the most important tool that we have to help teachers understand, you know, how to move towards implementation of the standards. So I think that we like to see, you know, the idea of having a curriculum that's high quality, first of all. So we'll oftentimes ask, districts what you know what curriculum do you have or are you using and we'll ask that question so that we can find out is it a I mean there's there's a variation of quality in curriculum materials I just think we've we see that all the time and then we want to make sure for me the secret sauce or the special ingredient here is that the coach then is there to help the teacher make sure that the curriculum is actually impacting student learning so we can implement with fidelity And still not have kids learning. This is a really hard conversation to have with district level folks, because they want to believe that if we just implement with fidelity, everything's going to work out. But teaching is much more specific to kids than that. So I guess for us, a lot of it is supporting that, that implementation at the student level, much more than training people how to use the curriculum.
0: Can you tell us about a time when you were working in a system and the professional learning plan that accompanied the new curriculum adoption went well?
1: Yeah. Well, and this is, it's interesting you ask this because this is an international school that adopted reading and writing units. And what happened is they first started with just how to even teach these very complex reading and writing units. But what they were finding is the teachers were jumping before they understood the bigger intentions of a, let's say there's a unit, let's give an example of a unit of reading informational text. The coach's role, and this is where I think the success came in, the coach's role was really to help the teachers create a vision of what does success look like for students by the time this unit is done. What strategies should they be using? And we call this a success criteria or also, you know, it's just pretty much student-friendly learning targets that say, that tell us straight up, what do the kids have to know and do by the end of this informational reading unit? And what was happening in this school is a lot of the teachers were jumping right to the lessons without clarity on what actually the kids had to know and do by the end of the unit. And so I think the success came in once... There was this understanding of the material was great, It's really high quality stuff, but there was a disconnect in the teaching of it. If you think about the visible learning research, teacher clarity has one of the highest effect sizes. It's like 0.79, which is about almost two years growth in one year's time. The way the teachers were teaching this curriculum wasn't clear to them or to the students. And mm-hmm. so the coaches had to swoop, kind of take them back, push the pause button, and really get clear on that. And so what they ended up doing is creating some complementary materials that related to this school. Also, the materials that weren't culturally appropriate because they were developed in New York, and this is a school in South America. So a lot of the references didn't work for the kids in these schools. Like, if you can't say I was riding a subway to work in a lesson when you don't have subways. And so that gets at what I was saying earlier, which is we can't just use these curriculum with fidelity. We have to adjust for the students that sit before us. And we have to understand with absolute certainty, not just following along lesson by lesson, but what is the end game here? What do kids have to know and do at the end of this unit? So that's, I think, some of the key points for success from that story. Wow, that's exciting.
0: I've worked in this role as a coach in schools that are adopting curriculum, and we I never had the opportunity to do that. Definitely, we had the opportunity to help teachers kind of unpack and come to understand the larger purpose and the clarity of what students were supposed to be learning, but I don't think that I ever succeeded in developing these kind of student-friendly learning targets for the end of the unit. And I can imagine yeah. how that is such a useful professional learning effort and role of the coach to take and how impactful that would be. I love hearing that story. Yeah. Without disclosing any names of anyone or any place, could you tell us a story? I think our listeners would also like to hear of like things to avoid, something that went badly that you've seen in a curriculum and adoption and professional learning or lack thereof experience that you have?
1: Well, you know, I think my experience base, the area I keep seeing folks, and this is, you know, remembering that I'm coming with a coaching viewpoint, is that when coaches are coaching curriculum, that's being used on a very, I guess I would say, lockstep fashion, The coaching work really gets stymied because we're saying a big part of our model is formative assessment, very student focused, you know, student centered instruction. Doing tomorrow what today taught you, you should do. And so, with curriculum that's very lockstep and paced out to the degree where people are just teaching one thing one day, cause and effect, and then the next day they're going to teach character traits, and then and and the coaches have a hard time. Finding room to breathe in that environment, and I think teachers do too. And that's when you start just teaching the stuff and not even knowing if the learning happened.
0: And that's where I would imagine that the student centered coaching can be supportive of those districts because the reason why districts are adopting curriculum like this is because they have a teaching problem, right? They're, yeah. Concerned about their teachers and they think they're going to solve it with this kind of lockstep curriculum purchase, but it doesn't yeah. work, right? Instead, they need to invest in the professional learning. Not that not that buying high quality curriculum materials isn't an important step in that, but without the professional learning attached to it, that is student-centered coaching, really giving supports directly to the teachers as they need it around conducting a formative assessment and being able to adjust on the fly to meet their students' needs. It's never going to work, right?
1: Yeah, you're chasing silver bullets at that point. And I'd say you said they may have a teacher problem or I can't remember your language, but I I would say almost that that's perceived sometimes as well, that Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't see teachers as decision makers in some cases. We just figure we'll just get something that everybody can follow. But again, the kids have to be a part of the the relationship between teaching, curriculum and learning. I mean, they're they're the number one they're the biggest factor in all of those things.
0: Yes. What exciting kind of breath of fresh air your work must be in those districts that you serve. So, As you're working around the country and internationally, what curriculum products, what new kind of innovative advancements are you seeing schools and districts searching for next in the curriculum area specifically?
1: Well, I would say there's just a lot of need for high quality curriculum. I think we're still trying to catch up to the adoption of new standards without question. And I still don't think we have everything we need in this domain. I think that there's a space and a a really important space for us to think about how to find that sweet spot between overly scaffolded and underscaffolded curriculum. You know, people who have a, a similar belief system as me, and I know I have very, very firm belief system. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for curriculum that allows them to take learning deep with students and creates opportunities for them to engage in meaningful work, but also that has the structures to support the teachers, right? Because you can't just say, oh, all teachers are brilliant. You don't really need curriculum. Just teach from your heart. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. But also that extreme of the high fidelity approach, you know, and so I think that middle ground is really what everyone I know is looking for.
0: You know what, Diana? this reminds me of years ago, I was working in an environment that was trying to come up with a tech solution for what you're just talking about, and we never figured it out, and I don't know if anyone has figured it out since, but the vision at the time, and this probably would have been in like 2015 or something, the vision at the time is, instead of like the teacher manual and the student reader, right, can there be a tech teacher manual that has like little links and pop-ups that are describing alternate ways to implement something, things to do if your students aren't quite getting this material or ways to reteach it or ways to teach it to second language learners or scaffolds for this or that. And I just thought, this is a tech solution that's needed, right? To make the whole thing easier that you're describing, not being overly or underly scaffolded, but having a tool that makes that easier. That sounds awesome. Make <laughs> it happen. Have you heard of anything anything since since I was working? No, there? I haven't. I wish. I wish oh, I did. Good opportunity in the ed tech world. Yeah, very good. And, and also, as schools and districts are approaching a new curriculum adoption, and as they're trying to look for you know properly scaffolded teacher resources and engaging, rigorous content for our students to engage with. Do you have any recommendations for them specifically? And how can they get in touch with you to figure out how to bring student-centered coaching into their world?
1: I would just say that my recommendation is just to always keep the learning equal to equal weight as the teaching. And so whenever you're looking at curriculum, make sure there's opportunities to really know kids and to understand where they are. And so that means not like, not worksheets that are called formative assessments, but it means ways that teachers can really get to know kids. I mean, I guess that would be if schools and districts are approaching new curriculum, I would look through that filter. I would also look for teacher for clarity on student outcomes. So if there are student-friendly learning targets built in instead of just objectives, that would be a win column. You know, I'd put that in the win column for, for sure. So just remembering that the more, and I think the alignment with some of the visible learning research. Like we know teacher clarity matters. So look through the curriculum through that lens. Does this build teacher clarity or is it just confusing to teachers because there's so much built into one lesson? You know, that's not going to help teacher clarity. So is it precise? Is it clear? Is it open-ended to some degree so that teachers can be making decisions? And then, you know, if folks want to reach out, Our work is so specific to coaching, which is a little outside of the curriculum zone that you live in, but they can always reach me at dianesweeney.com. We also have a YouTube channel. If you just search for Diane Sweeney, you'll find it. And there's videos there that introduce our model and give lots of information. So that's kind of, that's an easy way to reach us.
0: That's great, Diane. You say that you focus more on coaching and working with students, but this is really good advice that you just shared. To look for materials that create ways for teachers to really know kids, to look for student-friendly learning objectives. Do you know of a curriculum? I know you probably don't want to be endorsing any specific stuff particularly, but have you seen curriculum
1: products that include student-friendly learning objectives? Do they exist yet? I have not. If I had seen one, I think I would be pushing it all over the place. I think what I've seen is different curriculum have different strengths and different weaknesses. So some, you know, some might have one thing, but that whole idea of student-friendly learning targets, I don't think has made its way into, I think there's always an objective at the top of the lesson, but that's not what we're talking about because we're talking about the definition of a lifelong learner is to be self-regulated and to be able to to know if where I am as a kid in relation to where I need to be. And so that idea of student friendliness where kids can use the learning targets, that's, that's an area I haven't seen coming to life in curriculum. So we have to create that typically alongside the curriculum. I'd love to see it come. Let me know if you ever see anything. Hopefully, I'll be happy to, to get to know it.
0: Hopefully this podcast will inspire some developers because honestly, that would be a fairly easy revision for, for places to make in their units of study and the different modules that they're publishing and that sort of thing. I mean, it would be probably, you know, a couple months work on some yeah. of products to do that. And it would be such a, a value add. Well, thank you, Diane, so much for sharing your perspective with us about how educational systems can bring student-centered coaching to support their curriculum adoptions. We sure appreciate your time today. Thanks. It's been fun, Timory. Thank you for listening to Ed Curation. We hope you learned something today about a curriculum resource that produces fresh, lively, and authentic learning. Check out EdCuration.com to find out more. That's E-D-C-U-R-A-T-I-O-N dot com.